0: Hello and welcome to Conspiracy of Light, a podcast about Babylon 5. With me is Josue Cardona, living in his own great machine. Hey Josue, what's up? Hello. (laughs) Uh, Great machine. Yes. Don't you have your own great machine that you're cybernetically hooked up to and you're actually not speaking to me in physical form? You're speaking to me cybernetically? (laughs)
1: I'm I'm laughing because like I have a really old mattress and I feel like when I'm laying in it, I look like the guy in the episode where he's like indented into the wall. It's like, I need a new mattress, but that's not what this show is about. No, I mean, he,
0: he had to get out of there because he needed a new mattress. That was, all,
1: that was all it was about. It's possible. Yeah. He could have just flipped it over, but he didn't.
0: He, he found a replacement. Oh, I, I don't I think know if that makes we, sense. I think he'd probably been on that thing for 300 years, so... At least. Eventually, uh, it starts to reek. I mean, I, I'm hoping that when when the new owner came in, he's like, uh, let's clean that up and clean that up and clean that up. I, I love that we had technical
1: issues the first time we tried to record this. And this is not at all how that first episode went. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're back and and i'm excited because this is our our first two-parter it was an episode that you were super excited about i loved it so many things happened in this episode there was a lot of drama a lot of mystery which uh, which i love um so so where do you want to start
0: well that's a really good question do you want to get to the ancillary things and build up to the really big thing or do you want to just kind of go to the big thing and then go to the ancillary things next
1: yeah, no, no. Let's get Mars and Liza out of the way.
0: Lease, <laughs> <laughs> Lise? <laughs> Lise? Yeah, her name is Lease L-I-S-E.
1: Okay, okay. I thought it was like, because I saw it written earlier because I was reviewing, and I was like, I don't think he pronounced it Liz or Lise yeah, or Lise. Lisa or...
0: And in my mind, it was L-E-E-S-E, but no, Uh, when I look it up, it's L-I-S-E, Lise. Yeah, Captain.
1: and he pronounces it Lease. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so the, the Mars thing is going on. So it, that there's kind of a two-pronged story going on, and it's sort of uh, catastrophic on both sides. You know, on the one side, we got the planet down below starting to fall apart. And then on the other side, we've got this whole thing going on in Mars, and it's just coming in news bites from ISN. Uh, but it's just basically saying, you know, there's an uprising at Mars, and, and we've cut off contact from the government to Mars, and uh, there's not really a lot of understanding of what's going on. But we get a little more background on uh garibaldi as a result of this whole mars thing which uh,
1: the mars thing has been um it's been simmering about. in the background yeah. for a while it's come up a lot and yeah now... I, I
0: guess it's just meant to to show a create a backdrop of unrest in the world in general or in the universe in general i guess we should say yeah uh, there's up there's upheavals everywhere you know Mars is going on. I guess the idea is you, you, we're not centralized on just Babylon Five. There is a world outside of Babylon Five that is happening mm-hmm. and impacting Babylon Five, and Babylon Five is impacting that world. So, <laughs> and uh, as a uh,
1: like, what is it they call it? It's like a it's like a diplomatic um, center, right? It's supposed to be neutral territory of Babylon Five, and we yeah. never visit these other planets. We see all of these political situations from this this vantage point, right? From just here. And the Mars thing is, is, is interesting to me because it's very much a, it's like, it's a, it's a story of, you know, I guess earth, I mean in this case, right? It's the entire earth and you, I guess, you know, you terraform conquest, uh, Mars, but then because it's so far away, it's a colony. And eventually like when has a colony not tried to liberate itself, right? Like when has it tried not to separate? It's like, there's too much difference there's too many things happening there's too much uh disconnection so it's like it's a normal thing and unfortunately it seemed to become violent right which a lot of these things do you know i think i think most um of these situations have some sort of violent uh revolt that that creates the change it's it's rarely something like i don't know like brexit now right where like people yeah. just voted and said no we're, we're gone okay which who knows you know what will happen there but it's it's rarely something as as organized and as um, uh,
0: peaceful you know i wonder if rebellion is just a natural part of our development because if you look at it from an adolescent sort of point of view mars is maybe in its adolescence right now in this show basically saying, you know, now we're getting to the rebellious point where we're like, okay, we've had the rules, we've had your your supervision and it's been great, but screw you, we're going to take over and do our own thing now. I don't care if you don't want me to take the car out, I'm taking the car out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah, it's like a you reach a level of maturity and autonomy that it's it's just a normal process, right? Like so when you want that autonomy, when a kid wants that autonomy when when mm-hmm. we do, someone tries to say no, right? Someone tries to enforce uh, something and you know you again, there's that you you reach a level of, of maturity and I don't mean like you know, like immature, mature like right. you know, like a, like a like a youthful person. <laughs> uh, but I mean just like, oh, like enough time has passed where, I'm assuming that Mars has is, is self-sustaining, has its own government, has its own culture, yeah. possibly its own language, like all those things like why aren't we independent? We can be. We should be. You know, they probably asked for something and didn't get it. And and that's usually how these things start.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it's important to note that probably a lot of science fiction does this and uses uses Mars as its base for it yeah. for uh, you know, like I'm thinking of the expanse. There you've yeah. got a lot of uh, rebellions going on in various different areas and people sort of attaching new culture onto colonized areas. It's not aliens per se that are taking it it's us. Yeah. We've yeah. gone, we've conquered, and we we've got our stuff there and now it's like, well, we don't need you guys anymore. Yeah. I mean you said attached, but really it develops, right? It just yeah, just a new culture
1: develops in that in that area. And I mean it, it happens on earth right? <laughs> with enough right. distance. And um, um, we see that um already. Take you know, take any country and there are there are pockets and different accents and completely different cultures. So yeah, I mean that's inevitably going to to happen
0: if we ever get that far, right? If we ever start colonizing any of their places. Well, and it's, it's so funny, to right? Happen, like we, right? We... it's on its way, right? It's gonna happen sometime in twenty twenty the what? The like going the, to Mars? The Mars colonization? Uh I know I, that uh I know that the I know that uh uh the car is is, is orbiting Mars right now. What's his name? Uh Elon oh. Musk.
1: Yes, yeah. Um the the, so the Rocket mannequin Man in the car. There. Yeah. <laughs> the the mon- the mannequin in the
0: car actually has a name. But um Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah, I think well, I it's, know he's listening consistently to Ziggy Stardust and uh Yeah. Is he Major uh, Tom? I forgot if his like, Oh, I'm, it'd be perfect. If it was Major Tom. I am no, not that, sure if that's his name. Yeah. <laughs> but it's you definitely know, there's a website you can go to. You can look and you'll see that this thing is still like it's it calculates how long it's been out there now. Yes. By the second.
1: <laughs> yes. But like we're very far from establishing a colony, right? Like even if we have a couple people there for a while, I think we're 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 many years away from even that, so yeah. again, I don't, I don't know if we'll see that in, in, in our lifetime. But there's definitely when it happens, inevitably, <laughs> it'll, it'll play out in a similar way.
0: Complete digression, just a quick moment because we talked about the maturity level and and that kind of thing. And I was just kind of realizing, okay, so two year old, the terrible twos is when we start having to experience no for the first time, and then from then forward is a battle between us and whoever's in authority over us. We're either going to bow the knee or bow the head, bend the knee, or we're going to put our fist up, one of the two. Uh, it's true. I don't know where I'm at in that process right now, whether I'm raising my fist or, or bending my head. I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I probably the, developed allegiances at this point, and I, some things I, I will bow bow the head and bend the knee. This is true. And... It's funny because uh, this is,
1: like you said, like this is the and ancillary part of the episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, ancillary. Yeah, like like philosophically, we could discuss it for a long time, but we really don't see anything happening. All we know is that there's uh, communication has stopped because there's yeah. there's a revolt, and actually, I
0: don't remember if towards the end was there any sort of resolution. Not so much a resolution. Um, I don't think it was more that um, like a ceasefire. We were right? maybe a ceasefire. We were able to break through. I mean, Garibaldi did not get. You know, th- it, this came from this came from Psycor helping him out, not from uh, any normal governmental channels that he had to Mars when he found out that Lease was okay. Um, it was just a, a favor, basically, from Talia Winters to Garibaldi the man who's always on the elevator Um, yes (laughs) but uh, um, I don't I don't think maybe there was a I can't remember I think maybe there was a little bit of a pause or something
1: well yeah the, Um, the, the the fighting had died down and that's why communication was open again and reports were coming in but I don't think that there was like a declaration of independence and I don't think that there was an end to anything but, i mean I, I don't oh know no there's can... no
0: there was no re, no real resolution going on there as far as i could tell yeah yeah um but yet still it, it uh, th- maybe we're just thinking there maybe we're just thinking there's a a pause because we actually got to to see leese and to see uh-huh. garibaldi get some resolution for himself well and she do the there's really
1: yeah she says that the violence has died down Die down, yeah, Okay, yeah, so maybe yeah.
0: they're starting to make some get some purchase on their their goal to secede or whatever it is they're trying to do.
1: yeah, yeah. but again, I, I don't remember the details. Again, we're like a week we we usually watch these fresh, right <laughs> when we yeah. record. And but, uh, we're a week
0: out because we had problems,
1: yeah, and it was two episodes. but um, but yeah, I mean, like that happened that was happening in the background. I feel that that's gonna keep being uh, an issue that that comes up. And, and it's an interesting one, but really this was all just like to show... This was like a Garibaldi side story. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's meant to set up uh, a bit of um, stress and, and drama for Garibaldi in the midst of all that's going on with uh, the planet below, which I had the name of the planet last week. Epsilon 3. Thank you. It's yep. Epsilon 3, yeah. That's the planet right below... Babylon 5 that's suddenly breaking up and and starting to have some seismic activity
1: also suddenly has a name because I don't remember having <laughs> I don't remember anybody talking about it before
0: <laughs> it just wasn't an entity it was like I don't even yeah. know why that like here we are parked outside this planet but we really don't pay any attention to it I think there might be some idea that they had sent survey crews originally and there was nothing happening
1: hmm yeah well uh let me when the episode starts right so like are we done with garibaldi i, I don't think there's really much more to talk about right <laughs> are we
0: ever done with garibaldi no <laughs> uh, it's fine we're we right. we can move on right
1: so so the episode starts off with this uh, research group right that's about to, yeah. that's going to survey and they get close and then the something from the planet is attacking them right these missiles are coming at them yeah. and and that's when like like i don't i don't know if they had tried to survey it before right there's a, there's more explanation on that afterwards but then when they when they come back we know that you know the theory is that something something or someone <laughs> is
0: attacking and yeah. and we we want to know what's going on well they start out by saying that maybe it's some kind of automated defense system which uh, unfortunately my mind is such that i've read hitchhiker's guide so many times and they're talking about deep in the bowels of the planet. So all I could think of is this legendary planet of Magrathea and these missiles are just a courtesy detail. Uh, <laughs> stop, mixing, yeah, stop crossing it, it's your streams. Obvious. What's that?
1: Stop crossing your streams. Uh, your I can't help streams. it. I just automatically <laughs> cross my
0: streams. I'm a stream crosser. Um, and, and really... Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide has made such an impact on my life that I see a lot of things through the guise of Hitchhiker's Guide. Thank you, Douglas Adams, for doing this to me. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm actually wondering if, if uh, Straczynski even thought about this as he was putting this story together. Because hmm. uh, hmm. it just does remind me of that moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. And going deep into the planet's core. But uh, yeah, so we've got seismic activity. They're trying to figure it out and uh seems like they are, uh, they are not welcome down there.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we can like, you know, We don't have to recap everything, right? Eventually, uh, we we find out that uh, well, we see like these these uh, this apparition comes to Sinclair, then it comes to Londo. Londo. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, it's Ivanova and Sinclair are so curious that they go down themselves, they go inside, they land, and they find the person that they saw in the apparition, uh, hooked up to this machine, which is like the mattress thing that we were referring yeah. to earlier.
0: The, it's like a, the great mattress.
1: A, yep, it's a man shaped hole <laughs> with a man inside of it. And yes. so they they grab the man, they bring him out. Uh, he's a he's an alien named Tarkin, I think. Varn. I thought Varn. Oh, then Tarkan is the
0: the species. Uh now I'm gonna have to do a lot of research because I, I, think, so. I, I think I think maybe Tarkhan you're thinking is a... of uh, the the guy who came later on. Maybe and, you know, trying to take over the planet. Damn. Okay. Well, we'll go with Varn.
1: Varn is his name. Then, Vern Vernon. <laughs> Vernon uh, is is brought up, uh, but he's really sick. And while he's being checked out by Franklin, he he speaks to Dahl, who is uh, Delenn's friend.
0: Yeah, Delenn's mentor. Uh, yeah. Dral has been Delenn's mentor for a very long time. I guess kind of a spiritual advisor also. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just note that he was uh, talking about going to the sea. Like he had come to Babylon 5 to basically leave Babylon 5 and go to the sea, which is code for I'm going to go die. But I couldn't help thinking that it also reminded me of the elves when they talk about going east uh yeah. on, on Middle Earth. Yes. And I was thinking that maybe in in uh Straczynski's universe, maybe the Membari are elves. Hmm. Hmm. I get that.
1: I can I can I can totally see that. I see that. But yeah. the, as he as he explained it and he as he continues to explain it over the course of two episodes, although it seems like he's going to die it's more like.
0: You're so, looking for purpose.
1: Yes. Right. So, so, um, before we started recording, I mentioned, uh, that like my girlfriend is really into horoscopes and I started dabbling and there was this one, uh, horoscope that uh, of mine that I found recently. And I'm going to, I'm going to read part of it for you because, uh, it was so, uh, seemed so relevant to, to the episode and kind of, um, like really put something into perspective. Okay. See so if I can find All it. Right. And um, it, it's kind of long, but at the end it says, rather than living through a partner's work, focus on what inspires you and find your own sacred calling. Ah. And that that phrase, a sacred calling, I was like, I think, I think that's what he meant. Like, in other words, he explained that same thing, but it's a yeah. theme it, like that was the theme of this episode, right? It was like Varn put out this, this call to. To different people and everybody interpreted it in a different way but it was like a calling right it was something and, it, and in dolls case it was like he knew not just that he was gonna die but that he was going to take the last voyage right and that last voyage wasn't necessarily
0: only death right it was like I'm moving yeah, towards he had something. some kind of premonition or something but Londo yeah. also was willing to like lay down his life for this machine mm-hmm. He, you know he said I want he wanted to make a difference and this was an opportunity to make that difference, although it didn't turn out that, that Londo was the one that was put into the machine. And well, I, I think we missed that conversation between Drawl and Londo where Drawl convinced Londo that uh, you really you should stay back on Babylon 5. I'm going to take this role because uh, I'm the one who needs to go there right now. So, so I feel like it hints at that, but I think that
1: Londo's sacred calling was just to take them there, right? Maybe like I, so. I feel like Varn recruited the people that he needed, uh, to yeah. to accomplish his mission, which was to find someone to replace it. And I think, I think that Lando, like again, this is my interpretation. I feel like Lando's purpose was to take them there, right? This frustrated okay. pilot who's like
0: doesn't. So he's the uh, the Chiron. He's the ferryman. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Still crossing streams, but I can't help yeah. it. I mean, he's the ferryman to take. Uh... Take draw to the machine. That's awesome. And he called on Sinclair first.
1: And we know, and we've talked about this in the past, that like Delen is a helicopter mom. She is making decisions (laughs) for Sinclair. And she says it at the end. She says, You know, I didn't like, we did not include Sinclair because if we had, you and I would have taken that. Yeah. He would have been there, right? He would be in that in that machine right now, instead of Drawl. So, it's like dilemma being dilemma, right? But I, I, when when Varne called out to 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 draw, I was like, oh, well, maybe maybe he can do it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you could see it as like he called out to to Sinclair, and that sparked his curiosity. So his role was simply to go down and find him and bring him up. So. In that sense, it's like, okay, so Sinclair served his purpose, Nalando served his, and Drawl served his. So it did feel very calculated, you know, yeah. as I thought back on it. I was like, oh, like this guy, this guy's, he knew exactly what he was doing. And well, so
0: Drawl mm-hmm. talked about there being the third principle of sentient life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is yeah. to give yourself entirely over to something else in order to help your fellow man, basically. That's not yeah. the exact quote, but. Yeah, um, self-sacrifice, so something, Drahl something. Pro- yeah, to sacrifice. And, of course, we're talking about that with Sinclair, and we're talking about the, the possibility for, for draw as well. We've never really seen that much of that side of Londo, except that Londo does really work to make sure his friends are comfortable. Um, there is that scene between him and Garibaldi where he's trying mm-hmm. to make Garibaldi feel comfortable.
1: And he says at the end, like, oh, I'm going to go, like, I have a, I have a very important job. I'm going to job. go make
0: other people happy. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> I don't know. This was this was a, an amazing Lando episode because, like, I don't know. I've always thought of him as like the, the the drunken buffoon, right? But he's yeah. like, oh, he has some depth, and he has military experience, and he was a pilot, right? Like he yeah. did all of these things, and they all came to to play a role in this episode, and he seemed fulfilled you know like if yeah. there is any such thing as a sacred calling this guy like like heard the call and answered it because at the end he, he he was a different person you know or at least a different person that we've never seen
0: so i don't know the extent to the power of the machine um but i i'm wondering if maybe even i can entertain the idea that maybe even draws coming to the station was as a result of some kind of metaphysical call he felt that may have came from the machine or from Varn in the machine. Um, I, yes. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not certain, but it seems like it might be possible. I believe there's definitely some omnipotence going on in the machine in the sense that that Varn can get anywhere and do just about anything. And obviously, when Draw is installed, ultimate power is represented right there in that seat. Yeah,
1: we don't know what power he has right there's there's this big mystery to it right it's like uh nobody can have access to this right now so we only need someone to keep it until the time is
0: right for the future
1: yeah it's like until the time is right what does that mean we don't know how long that is and we don't know for what purpose and we don't know what capabilities it has Varn only suggests at the end that now uh, the machine will um will prolong his life Yes. And allow him to travel among the stars, right? So, the way I see it is he's connected to it, and it's more of a—you uh, said metaphysical, but I feel it's like a maybe it's a conscience thing, right? Like, like yeah. he's able to to expand his his conscience out into and explore and learn and collect maybe collect information. I don't who knows, right? Like we know it has. Um, an incredible power source on the inside we know that it's very advanced technology and we know that it at the very least it has some weapons <laughs> to protect itself yeah right, it's so like a
0: major death star inside because you walk in is. there and it's just as big as the death star yeah inside
1: and, yeah and that ship at the end like he destroyed it right very easily yeah um so so we don't we don't know we don't know what its purpose is we just know that it's lying in wait Right next to Babylon Five, um, and yeah. with with and now it's in the care of the Babylon Five Advisory Council. Right, that's something that they said. Like it was a declaration that yeah. uh, the draw made at the end, and and that's like a, I don't know. That's again a lot of mystery. Who knows what's going on there? But it's it's fascinating. It's really interesting. So to, to you know exploring the possible uh, capabilities of this great machine, definitely. I think that, yeah, like draw was called there in part by, by this, right? Like, I think that this was his sacred calling. I don't think that he was, that there was something else, right? Like he, it wasn't coincidence.
0: Um, I may not have had an idea of where he was going, but this, this travel to the sea kind of thing may have been the travel to the planet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the, like you said, uh, the the Mabari, they're the elves. They're the spiritual ones. They're connected to more things, right? This yeah. idea that he that he he was going, you know, on the uh, to the sea was something that culturally they understand. that Len understood it when she heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, but I don't know how much uh, the Great Machine played
0: in that. Actually, I, I I'm just speculating. I don't actually have no. any proof whatsoever. Yeah, no, we don't. But the scientist in me believes that yes, that like
1: like Varn did pull, you know, this man in that direction and just the same way that he like, you know, projected an image to the other people that needed to see it for him to accomplish his goal. So, I think it was like a you know, everything was calculated, everything it was a big strategy everything happened the way he intended. I don't yeah. think anything, like, happened out of chance. I, like, again, that idea that Sinclair would have been in if they would have included him, I I, th- I think that Sinclair served his purpose.
0: Well, I mean, his his purpose tended to be to protect the planet enough or to protect the space enough to in order for this exchange to even happen. Yeah. Because, and, and I'm going to take a little side trip here. Here's one of the things I see a lot in science fiction, and I see it in, in other shows, although I can't immediately identify them, but... Uh, This race for new technology that we have uh, as a species uh, where we're we're really willing to go and take from other people who have gotten something bigger and better than us in order to co-opt it for ourselves. And, uh, of course, we see that coming on with Captain Pierce bringing the Hyperion through the jump gate and he says, I'm going to take over this situation here. This is clearly a power to be reckoned with and Earth force is going to control it. Um, But we do that in a lot of science fiction where we try to colonize that which isn't ours to make it ours and there's there's uh some discussion uh by i think it's ken wilbur that made this discussion maybe it was ira prigogine because he talks about um the structure of scientific revolutions and, and this whole idea that um you know when it comes to technology you have to get there by sweat and tears right you don't Just taking it means that you don't understand the price that was paid to get to that point. And as a result, you're you're approaching it with less of a maturity than you would have if you'd actually come up with it on your own. And here we have Captain Pierce proving that pretty much because Captain Pierce sees this as the ultimate war machine. If we control this, we control everything kind of thing. That's kind of the message he has coming along. And then, of course, the other people, I guess the outcasts of Varn's people, come to take it over also for the very same reason. They want this military control. So you mentioned
1: like other sci-fi, it reminds me of Star Trek Discovery, the planet with all the information on it, right from the second season. You mentioned the expanse, the proto molecule. is that, right? Uh And I think there's, yeah, there's lots of examples. Those are like recent ones that I remember, but I will say today, 2019, the way that technology works it's not countries anymore. Like it used to be, right? It's like, yeah, the Manhattan project was like German scientists, right. And, and, yeah. and, and other, uh, other parts of Europe that came here. Um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, fighting between like Japanese and Chinese and American, uh, ideas and, and technology over the years. But now that's not the way it works. The company, the corporations, The countries of today are actually the corporations, right? The big companies are the ones that are huge, the ones that actually have the power. So when a small group of people makes a new technology, it's usually acquired by a bigger company. or. So, so it's like, I think that that continues to play out and the way we see it now is just slightly different, but it's, it's like no countries anymore buy or, or conquer, you know, in an area for the, for the technology, it's really, it's, it's happening so quickly and then companies are just acquiring. So, you know, like Google is very powerful because over the years, because it created a piece of technology, but then it acquired many, many more. So I it just it continues to happen, like we see it every
0: every single day, little miniature borgs all out in the world, sapping <laughs> totally up everything <laughs> um well, you know, I was thinking about this i I remember a time I don't think anybody believes this anymore, but they may I remember a time when we first start started getting fiber optics, and there were people in the world who thought there's no way that humans were smart enough to make that we got that from our from our connection with the aliens that visit the planet. <laughs> did you not ever hear this this argument?
1: Um no, but it's like that's like Stargate, right? Where A little bit, yeah. All this technology is like, oh, it's actually aliens who built the pyramids, you know? Yeah. It's like it's actually yeah. aliens who did all this other stuff. Um not, I mean, I don't remember hearing stuff like that, but uh not well, not, I do
0: live in a place where backwards Georgia is a pretty easy accessible thing, so I've, we believe in u f o s and we believe that u f o s brought us technology yeah i
1: i mean uh, i don't i have no comment <laughs> no oh. comment. But, but again, it's, it's still it's something that continues to happen. It's not something, I mean, you know, we see it more often over uh, like petroleum and um, strategic locations. Right? I mean, we're, we're living in a time now where it's like it's very, very rare where we see no, people aren't conquering other places, right with the exception of like uh, uh, a few things in the Middle East and then like Russia and Ukraine, yeah. We don't really see that kind of thing and and it's not a technology play, right? It's it's something completely different. Um
0: no, but I imagine that uh North Korea sees it as a technology play right now. See what exactly? Grabbing up trying to grab uh technology from other countries. Uh well well, but that's see so
1: copying is very different than uh conquering. Right? Because you can you can um like taking over a location to take over a certain type of technology. Yeah. Like so in this that, case, that is a difference. Yeah. 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 Like again, because of the way that like, there's no reason why, for example, in that Star Trek discovery episode, that planet was full of information. The idea, and I think they, they, they talk about that, right? It's like if, if the Federation gets a hold of that information, it will help hundreds of thousands of planets. Right, because yeah. it's it's a it's a source of information that's different than like the Klingon coming in and it's like no we're taking this over and it's going to help
0: us and that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is a power for destruction and not, or a power for protection, not a power for yeah kindness to others.
1: Yeah, well, well, and and the point I was trying to make there was that like if you're willing to share or just like observe and copy, right? Then then you have access yeah. to it too. It's like yeah, okay. that
0: that's true. That that's fair.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I've been meaning to talk to you about this. I'll bring it up here. The there's a new show on Apple TV Plus called For okay. Okay. All Mankind, and I had seen the trailer. I didn't. I wasn't super interested until I okay. found out, created by Ronald D. Moore. Oh. oh yeah, it got that interesting. That does right? grab my attention, right? right? So it's basically revisionist history of the first um, moon landing. And the space race. So basically, instead of the United States landing on the moon first, Russia does. Oh, okay. And it changes everything. And then basically, it's like the space race continues. And it's really interesting. Like when the first episode happens, you see someone landing on the moon and you see all these people and no one is cheering, no one is happy. And then you realize, oh, the Soviet Union landed on the moon first. Yeah, so we lost the race. We lost the race, but then, America being America, right? It's like, well, maybe maybe it doesn't have to end here. You know, it's like, what would have happened differently? It's a yeah. it's a really cool idea. It's it's an it's okay. I, I'm only one episode in, but um, but that first episode was was uh, interesting enough. Again, it was Ronald D. Moore, so I was like, okay, I need to give this a chance. But uh it, it that's an example, right? That I'm thinking of. It's like, oh, okay, these two countries had the same. Technology, right? Like they were they were moving in the same direction, um, but actually the scientist that is in charge of the uh, of the NASA mission of, of the Apollo program is I don't know what country he's from, but he's not American, right? You know, and in that time, like again, the Manhattan Project had uh, people from from different countries, so it was kind of a land grab in that way. Right. But then my my point was, man, I'm, I think I'm just tired, but my point was (laughs) that at that time, right. In the sixties, not everybody like landing on the moon wasn't a thing that everybody could do. And just watching someone else do it didn't allow you immediately to do it. Right. Like it was very valuable technology. Yeah, and then like now that like you see something and and like we have capabilities that are like oh we can just see an idea and we have different ways to do it like it, it's very different it's not as um like you can just buy something and dissect it right <laughs> it's not yeah. as as uh, as um, out of reach as something like landing on the moon or
0: a space rocket or you know something like that yeah so, but different That's times true. different times so I'm trying to think. There, there there, are pieces here that I, I wanted to get to, and I, I can't even really—like, they're not coming to mind. Um, But I, I think we've kind of perused the story as much as possible. I mean, uh, draw goes to the machine. He becomes the machine. And as you said, the advisory council of Babylon 5 is now— In control of, or I don't even know how that works because basically he's saying, "Well, I'm not really going to be in contact with you guys because uh, this is not for you now." Yeah, Um, I think
1: it was like the protection, right? It's like we're under the protection of the of the advisory council, and like I don't know that draw is the great machine, but he's definitely the pilot of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, and and what that means for Babylon Five is is an interesting thing because that means that. Uh, you know, before we were just the guns that we had on the ship, which are not bad. We've taken care of Babylon 5 on a regular basis up until this time. Uh, but now there's a really big power behind us. And so now we stand behind a much larger force of power. And I don't know, that, that's that got to change the dynamic for the future, I would think.
1: Uh, I mean, if the last Maybe message not. was like... You know, like you keep an eye out for us, but it wasn't like we've got your back. Oh, that's true. That's true. It's more like you have a huge responsibility and more of a burden, really. It's like if anybody else comes in, do what you just did now. Like you just protected us from two different factions
0: that wanted to take us over and you defended us both. That's your job from now on. Yeah, so now, so now Babylon 5 is the police station that's outside of Epsilon 3, is that... Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So we are the gatekeepers. It's, we're, we're Deep Space Nine for the wormhole.
1: Yeah, yeah, basically,
0: basically. Nobody's hmm. touching our wormhole aliens. We got our own little guy in an old mattress. We're going to be okay. <laughs> it makes sense because my mattress is
1: old to me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I don't know, other, other things that uh, came up in the episode um, that, I don't, I don't know how relevant they are to, like, well, the truth is, I don't know how relevant any of this is to the story, right? Like, That's so true. Epsilon 3 was just in the background, and then now and it, then wasn't. it wasn't. <laughs> oh, one thing one thing that we did talk about uh, last time that, I, that we haven't brought up is I was wondering why Babylon 5 can't just move out of the way.
0: Oh, we did talk about that, yeah. And so... I think, right. I, I wish I, I wish I could remember all we said because I thought it was some worthwhile discussion. But I think the thing is that Babylon Five can move; it just can't move fast. So it would have been caught in the blast of the explosion, regardless. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. You know, the idea of abandoning ship is. I think what I what I'd said before was I think that the smaller ships are much more maneuverable, much more speedy. Um, it's hard to get a really large vehicle that's relatively still to get to a high velocity quickly if you've got something that's that's imminent to happen, like a planet could reach the gate? or something. Could it reach the gate in time? Does it fit through the gate? That Those were both questions I had, because yeah. we saw the, well, we saw, like I said, we saw the Membari um, warship come through, yeah. and it seemed like it, in some ways, dwarfed Babylon 5. Yeah. Um, and then we saw the, uh, the uh, Hyperion come through, Yep. Not really dwarfing Babylon Five, but certainly it's a large machine. But it's also a large machine constructed for the very purpose of war. Yeah. Babylon Five doesn't seem to be constructed for any of those things. It's it's more like, uh, let's get a whole bunch of aliens together, build a thing here, and uh, maybe we'll put some boosters on it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. See that that's this that's is not a question the Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I have questions. I would like that answered. Um, I would like you to see. jump. The, I would like to see the technical manual with uh, all of the answers to my questions. I want to know how fast it can go. <laughs> I want to know <laughs> what kind of weapons it has, how many um, fighter planes, or not fighter planes, but how many fighter Yeah, how, how many fighters it can hold, yeah, how many ships yeah. it can hold. Yeah.
0: I remember seeing specs on it. Um, I don't remember how many miles long it is.
1: I didn't Google it from last week, but um But does we are, again, did talk uh, about it before on yeah. On, on, yeah. on our
0: discussions, but I don't remember now. But it, it's it's a large structure. I mean it's you know it's an O'Neil cylinder, so it's gotta be a pretty large structure. Yep. Um but uh it's not it's longer than the Membari warship that comes through. Yeah. Yeah but it's not taller.
1: Yeah. Again, I'm just I'm just curious why I couldn't move out of the way. Probably the reason probably is drama. (laughs) If it wasn't there, yes, Babylon Five has a problem.
0: It has an anchor called drama. Uh, Yep. The writers' room was like, no, it can't move. Why? Doesn't matter. (laughs) Well, again, uh, bringing it back to Deep Space Nine for a moment, Deep Space Nine did move, but it didn't move often, and it took a lot of work to move it. Again.
1: Of course, they space. had jets on
0: little pylons. So, uh, in space, there's no friction. Are, is that what you're going to tell me? Yes.
1: Also, things are weightless, <laughs> so you know,
0: I'm I'm not an astrophysicist. I don't know <laughs> the answers yeah, I don't to these know questions. Either. But it, I feel like have to have to get Neil deGrasse Tyson on to talk to talk to us about the science of Babylon Five.
1: My theory is that if you can get a whole bunch of the small ships off of Babylon Five, they can go really fast if they pull it. They should be able oh, to pull it pull at the same it. Yeah, speed. Yeah, that's, that's an idea. Just saying, but I don't know. In, I've in, never Jose's, been to space. in
0: Jose's world, you have nothing but ships like with ropes on the end that are pulling the ship. Sci-fi is full of bullshit. Uh, yes, it is. A lot of it has to do with flying in space. Well, and and yeah, you know, the expediency of the story is what ultimately determines our level of technology. <laughs> The, but, the technology okay. will be realistic until we need a plot point hmm yeah and
1: but this then, is this is a this was a great And then episode. you can hear
0: uh you can hear lasers in space at that point
1: yes yes exactly um but this is i thought this was a a, a really fun episode it was a make you think episode it's yeah. we learned a lot about londo um really he's the only one that like and he had any sort of character uh, development in my opinion
0: um maybe a little bit for garibaldi but yeah I,
1: yeah well i mean yeah, we learned that so.
0: garibaldi was supposed to be married to lise well, not, and that he mm. suddenly freaked out and left and went to join babylon 5 and left her behind
1: yeah yeah but again it feels that feels inconsequential okay here for now right yeah um but yeah i guess we do we do learn more about him um but like, I don't know, I I already know he's a big softy. <laughs> 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 I already knew that. Um, but, but you again, are right.
0: We did learn some depth of, of Londo's character because he is, and I think you might have said this in our last discussion, but Londo and Garibaldi are very similar people, ultimately. They are. They are. Um, and that's why they have this kind of rapport. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How many more episodes start with them drinking at the beginning him water and water you, know, you like, know i should count out the at the bar. But i don't know right now the bar plays a big the zocalo plays a big role in babylon five i mean you always want to start someplace that seems homey to everyone i guess I it's lo- like I cheers lo- i love londo is like what is that water Ugh! i never touched this stuff
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was mm. great Garibaldi always goes to the bar to drink water. It's uh, interesting.
0: Uh, I guess if you had a habit, I mean, you got to find, it's like a lollipop for a smoker. Yeah. Yeah. You still go to the same store that you bought the cigarettes at, but you buy a lollipop instead. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, and you know, if your
1: friends are there and you're just going to hang out, maybe he buys something to eat. (laughs)
0: Uh, It does seem like the social place everybody goes after work, though. Like, even Ivanova, she goes there after work to blow off steam before she goes home. Of course, Ivanova has a real drink, but... Yeah. um, Yeah. Um, Garibaldi just continues to drink water to... I guess he he wants to be... A part of... He's so close. He's so close to what he used to be, and he's trying not to be, so he's going to sit at the bar and drink water, but he's not going to drink liquor. Hmm.
1: Yeah. In the previous... uh, No, it was... No, it was in this episode where he's at the bar, and he picks a fight. Yeah, beats up three
0: people. Right? It's like because they were talking bad about Marzies. Yeah, he's living that bar life
1: without he without is. the alcohol.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, it, I I don't know if he would. I don't know if a twelve step program would say that he is doing things right because he's constantly putting himself in contact with a place that would have initially been his place to get his his push his fix. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he might be. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a dangerous, like it's almost like. <laughs> it's just like you're you're cheating. you you're you're teasing yourself, basically. Again, I I don't understand it, but. Uh... I remember talking with some kids. We were going to uh, we were on our way to some place. I was I was working at a residential facility, and we were in a van and traveling somewhere, and uh, they're talking about strip clubs, and I'm like, a strip club? That's like. That's like going through the desert and needing water, and then you come across water, and it's in a cage, and you just sit there and look at it. <laughs> that floored them all. They loved that.
1: They they, they, they did? Are you sure?
0: <laughs> they did. No, they did. They were still quoting that to me later on. They're like, you know, I never thought about it that way, Mr. I went to a, uh,
1: some event recently, and— <laughs> this one person uh, was vegetarian and they brought out like these uh, pork rinds Mm. and she asked the, uh, someone else at the table to please describe the flavor because it was her favorite food, but she didn't eat it anymore. Oh, wow. (laughs) I don't know how satisfying that was for her. I don't know. know.
0: So succulent, so perfect, so crisp, so tasty. Exactly. Exactly. I'm so sorry
1: you can't have it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is, is
1: this enough for you? Are you sure? Hmm.
0: I don't know. <laughs> Strip pubs <laughs> and pork rinds. Yes. <laughs> Damn. That'll be the name
1: of this episode. It should be. <laughs> uh, so I think Epsilon Three, the Great Machine, huge. They're now, but, the, but it's like it's been put in a box and put away. As far as I can tell, yeah. I mean, I, I doubt that it'll like appear in the next few episodes. Just like Talia's superpowers, like there's a lot of things (laughs) that are coming into play here that I I did not expect at the beginning, and none of them are, none of them are paying off. None of them are. Let me not say paying off. None of them are being addressed. Yeah. Not even resolved, right? It's like like Talia's superpowers don't need to be resolved. They're just like they're they're there. Oh, they're just present now. Then yeah, like you can use them now. Like so, the great machine, like. What can it do, and will it? Like, if there's a situation that's serious enough, I'm gonna be thinking, "Hey, the great machine is there. That could solve yeah. it, right?" Like, yeah. you're, you're painting yourself into this corner. Um, I don't know. Did you ever watch the the show Heroes,
0: on NBC? Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a long time, but yeah, I watched it.
1: So I I hated that show at some point. Because oh. I felt that the writing was, it, it, like, when I got to season three, it was just so frustrating because the main character was basically, like, he had everybody's powers. So he could literally do anything. And there were moments, and this is well, like a Superman guy, right? problem.
0: Uh, the What? That was the bad guy, right? That that got everybody's powers.
1: Um. Yes, yes. But the, the, the main character also had a whole bunch of different powers, right? So it was like... Okay. If he can fly and he has super strength, again, this is a Superman problem also. It's like yeah, you can't put a situation in there that you can solve with those problems, right? And and then not use them. Like if he can – if he has that power – So what, what they ended up doing with the main character was that they ended up removing his powers because they – I don't know. Because obviously like they wrote themselves into a corner. Anyway, so that's what I'm thinking about, right? Like it's frustrating if – there's a situation that Talia can solve and she's and and she doesn't
0: use her superpower and the same thing with the great machine and again like so that's what you mean by painting yourself in the corner you're basically putting yourself in a situation where there's a trump card we know where the trump card is and we can play the trump card yeah so where's the where's the where's the challenge now because now we're over overly powerful Exactly, and Babylon 5 is
1: currently stacking the deck because between the Great Council, the Power
0: Rings, the
1: the, the, the Super Psychic, the Great Machine, I mean, you know, if you keep it personal and political, then you can't really use those things, right? Uh, right. You can use those things if, like, you know, like... Remember that one episode with the giant... Um, it was near the Narn... Uh, like in in a Narn sector where there was this ship that came by that looked like a giant plant.
0: Yes, yes, that was uh that was the one. Oh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but yeah, Garib. S- like uh, Sinclair's uh, girlfriend
1: came and she was like surveying
0: yeah, the planet, and, and, and then and then Jakar went out there to save her because uh Sigma, Sigma Nine Five Nine or something like that.
1: Yeah, the planet, right? So, yeah. but it's like like that 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 ship that or, or that alien right that giant flower looking thing was yeah menacing right it's like yeah. you know so like, like i'm thinking things like that come through then we've got all these trump cards right that we can that we can use but anyway but i'm 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 interested because all of these things again you're you're putting all these pieces on the board for what like i, I have no idea what what could possibly be coming but there's enough variety from all of the things that we've seen like again, like what what bigger mysteries and then than the Vorlon, for example, right? It's like, well, what are what are these people up to? So again, yeah. I'm super interested. I'm in. I can't wait for, for more episodes <laughs> because I have no idea where this is going, but I like where it's going.
0: Well, uh another one of my favorite episodes is coming up next time. It's uh Babylon Squared. Ooh, I cannot oh, wait. Yeah, it's it's uh when I when I say this one is uh, a very important episode to the story arcs that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> good. Good. I'm hyped. I'm uh, hyped. You, yeah. Go. This is uh we're we're in the we're in the final 3 here, right? We got uh we got Babylon Squared, Quality of Mercy and Chrysalis and then we're through season 1 and into the next season. That's it. 3 episodes? 3 episodes. <gasps> <gasps> it's only taken us like a year and a half to get here yeah, way. I know. Yeah. Start doing a weekly podcast here, and then maybe we can move through it a little little, little quicker for you. I'm, so you can I'm, see it in serial format the same way we used to see it, where we have to wait a week and try to figure <laughs> out what's going to happen next on Babylon 5. Why don't we batch the episodes instead and just like
1: do five episodes like every Saturday or something like that? No?
0: You are a man with a lot of extra time on your hands. I prioritize. Uh, I can move some things So around. my priorities aren't good. That's what you're saying here? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I am <was> saying.
1: <laughs> Let's go. I want to watch Babylon Square.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking I like the idea that, that Sinclair's in his room and he's trying to open a jar of pickles that just won't open and he's like, "Uh, Draw, can you help out here?" <laughs> or Talia. <laughs> or Talia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Talia would be like uh, an affront to his sense of masculinity. He, he wouldn't he wouldn't ask her probably, but I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know (laughs) lots of good stuff coming up though I'm really excited so well thanks for uh, talking to me about voice in the wilderness Uh, for those listening this has been a two part story so hopefully you've seen both my goal is always that you have seen the episode before we talk about it because if you listen to us talking you're going to be just deadly confused Yeah, we're not giving you the story (laughs) also you should tell people this before the episode
1: sure not at the end that's (laughs) they know already they got this far
0: they have no idea what we're talking about that's fair well you know if you don't know what we're talking about and you've hung in there thank you (laughs) yeah and please write to us and say why (laughs) why you did such a thing why why are you still here
1: (laughs) yeah very interesting
0: Oh, but I'm excited if people are joining us for the trip. It, it's a lot of fun, and yeah. uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I was reflecting on this the other day, why I'm doing this. And part of my reflection was that this was a seminal part of my sort of what I call my media genome. It, it made a difference in my life at a time I needed this particular uh, this particular media, this particular archetype, old story, this, the, the things that are going on here. I needed it. And it filled a spot in my life, and now I get to go back and see um, again for maybe the third or fourth time. Is it still meaningful? And um, is there anything that I missed? And then the the bigger piece for me, maybe it's the third principle of sentient life. But the bigger piece for me is getting more people into the story because I think it's so. You know, I'm hyping it a lot, but I. It was life-changing for me, and I can't even put a finger on what that means except to say that it's just part of me now in the same way that Hitchhiker's Guide is or some episodes of Star Trek. It's 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 part of me now. So the fact that other people are coming along and enjoying it with us and, and puzzling through it with us, the fact that you're here doing this with me, it's just making me really excited. I, I get the the giddy geek freak on. <laughs> I think it's really important to take the time
1: to do a deep dive like this on something especially something that like we already know that it was meaningful for you and over the course of you know hopefully by the time we're done with this it'll be over 100 episodes of the podcast right where we covered every single episode and and other things and i don't know what percentage of that is going to be um is going to explain what it meant for you and how it was meaningful for you. But I think that it's, it's like you could just write a blog post or something like that and saying, this is what Babylon five meant to me. Yeah. But this is actually an exercise of going through that, you know? Yeah. And a part of it is you reflecting on how it's meaningful for you. Just both of us reflecting on how much we're enjoying it, connecting it to things in our lives in current events, like I think it's a really important exercise. And by taking one property and going all in, in this way with two completely different perspectives, I don't know. I think it's really important. I think, you know, um, like it, within, uh, you know, the geek therapy network, I think it's super important to do this type of thing. And this isn't the only uh, like podcast that we have that goes super deep into something that is just like somebody's favorite thing. And I think yeah. having these, um, you know, having these things exist is super important. And again, like, I don't know how much I can recommend that you listen to a hundred episodes of something, but I think it's a a great exercise in what we're trying to do. And if you can come along that journey, I think you can, you can, like, my hope is that by the end of it, people understand you better, you know, and you understand yourself better and people can empathize with that. And, and I don't know, I think it's, I think it's a really fun, uh, experiment. And, but I think it's very important to do because it's, I don't know, I think it's something that's hard to do, (laughs) right. To be able to, to, to really take the time and sit with someone and, and really try to understand the way they see something. And we're taking one thing, which is Babylon five, right. And, and connecting so many different things to it. I I don't know. I,
0: I I love what we're doing. I'm. yeah, me too. Yeah. And it it could be done with so many different things like a you know, yeah. I don't have time for it, but I am working my way back through Buffy and Angel now. I've been thinking I about that I could do lately. that. Yeah. I could do that same deep dive with Buffy and Angel, uh, yeah, because that's been such a touchstone of my life as well. So, I I guess uh, just kind of tapering off of what, or not tapering, uh, off of what you're saying. For people to go out and and get so engaged in a piece of media that they're willing to do a deep dive and talk about it for an hour a week, um. I think that even if that's not edifying for your audience, which hopefully it is, it can be really meaningful for you. And so I don't know if this is what you're doing, but I would invite people to pitch ideas for their own deep dives that they'd like to do.
1: Yeah, I've I've asked around. Um, we have one that's on the Assassin's Creed series. Yeah, um, That's um, Mark Quidi's uh, part of the network. That's his favorite game series. And he talks about it the same way you talk about Babylon 5. It's like... This was meaningful to me to me. It helped me. It it changed the way I, I view the world. But it's also like this really fun thing that I think is really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Know?
1: And all of those things, like again, that's 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 what we've been talking about for years with geek therapy, right? It's like how do you like this is what matters. It's like how do you that like you already care about this thing, you love it. Maybe you don't understand why if you don't take the time to reflect, but maybe you do. And now, by going deep into it, you're you're sharing that. And I've heard some suggestions from people, and I'm I'm always looking for to, to help people out. Right? Like if if somebody wants to do it, I will I will provide the tools. I will be as helpful as I can uh, to do this because I think it's it's really important.
0: So there you go, folks. If you want to run your own Sesame Street podcast, just talk to way that's it. That's right. <laughs> Actually, I, th- I would totally listen to a Sesame Street podcast. You say that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it myself. No, not I, at I all. Know. I know. <laughs> or a pinky in the brain. I'd do that too. Hmm. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Well, uh, thank everybody for listening, uh, for playing along with us. We'll see you next time. We're gonna, we're gonna go into get into Babylon squared. Ooh. All right. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. It is most gratifying that your enthusiasm for our planet continues unabated. So we would like to assure you that the guided missiles currently converging with your ship are part of a special service we extend to all of our most enthusiastic clients
1: and the fully armed nuclear warheads are of course merely a courtesy detail
0: we look forward to your custom in future lives thank you